Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Dick Miller. If you're listening to Junk Food Cinema, who are these guys? Bienvenue to a howling good new episode of Junk Food Cinema, brought to you by FilmSchoolRejects.com. Lead.com. Dot Dot the hills are alive. This is, of course, the weekly cult and exploitation film cast. So good, it just has to be fattening. I'm your host, Brian Salzman. I'm joined, as per usual, by my friend and co-host. He's a novelist. He's a screenwriter. A lieutenant of Megaforce. A man who never met a marquee he didn't like. Mr. C. Robert Cargill. Hi. Do you see what I did there? Because it's not only French nobility, but also a movie theater function. So I, yeah, I, I I did. See, it's always better when you explain the joke. That's that's yeah. How that it way, works. that way, everybody gets it. Yeah, we want everyone to be in on this. It's the holiday season. We want everyone to gather around the hearth and hear Grandpa Salisbury's terrible jokes. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. I am. Uh, I'm super excited because normally we are. Um, we're sort of the Brotherhood of the Wolf brand chili around here. But today we really get to ascend to something special. And I just want you to know that you should make a pact to join our pack by going to patreon.com. And for as little as a dollar an episode, you do get access to bonus content to uh, to our Discord, to our Zoom happy hours, all kinds of great stuff. You can also follow us on all the social medias. You can find our entire back catalog on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you cram things in your ear holes. I promise you, you can find junk food cinema. Now, today is a day. This is, I feel like, a long time. Co- I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but this episode is definitely a long time coming. Well, I mean, we do have a backlist of stuff that we've been intending to do for years, and we've just been kind of clearing out that backlist lately. This is true. This is true. And don't tell the new lieutenants of Megaforce that because some of the movies that they picked are definitely on that list of things that we wanted to clear out anyway. Shh, don't tell them that. No, 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 no. Tell them that because that means I might actually show up for them. <laughs> You're nothing if not inconsistent, and that's what I appreciate about you. <laughs> is that what you appreciates about me indeed but this movie cargill i gotta tell you this is a movie this is one of those movies that i first saw when i first saw it i should say i did not care for it one iota oh weird but i mean you gotta remember this movie came out in 2001 of course we're talking about brotherhood of the wolf aka go ahead cargill la pacte de loup it was at the dawn of the age of reason that first appeared the beast upon the county of Gévaudan. Possessed with enormous strength, it would strike without warning and disappear without a trace when all hope seemed lost. The king sent two men determined to unravel the mystery. What they uncovered was a world of deception and a struggle for power that was far more dangerous than anything they could have imagined.
Universal Pictures and Studio Canal proudly present to American audiences the French motion picture sensation. Brotherhood of the Wolf. His favorite, I, like I took four years of French and I, do, I have never hit words with more of a French accent than Cargill does when he says the alternate title of Brotherhood of the Wolf, or I guess the original French title of Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, but it came out in 2001, which means I was in fucking high school, man. Like, I was an idiot. I didn't know shit about shit. Yeah, yeah, that was just high school. I did not know merde about merde <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I actually have the opposite um, uh, situation with this. I was a young writer at Ain't Cool News. It was the the first year that I was working there and calls up everyone like at 930 at night and says, hey, come down to the draft house. Uh, I'm showing something at midnight. And we're like, what is it? He's like, yeah, I can't even explain it to you. And we go down to the draft house. We all show up like, what are we watching? It's like, I just got this crazy French film sent to me on VHS. And I told Tim about it. And Tim said we can show it in the theater. So we're all there um watching a midnight movie at the draft house and we're watching this on projected vhs so nowadays think about what that looks like um but that's how we're watching this film no hype no nothing the film hasn't even been released in france yet we have no idea what we're about to watch and then this movie unspools in front of our eyes and we're just like what the effing f is this it was crazy pants and uh and it was just one of those really it's one of the most electric screenings i've ever been in it's just me and a bunch of friends sitting around watching this thing we'd never heard of that would then go on to become this you know legendary cult film uh mm -hmm. that uh uh that has just recently found its way to streaming which was a big thing you could not find this film for a long time uh and uh, uh shutter just got a hold of it which as soon as i heard shutter was getting a hold of it. I went nuts. Everybody else was going nuts. And uh, now we get to talk about it and share it with so many of you. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. As soon as this thing hit shutter, I feel like it was this activated memory for a lot of people where you just saw Twitter come to life like, holy shit, Brotherhood of the Wolf. I had forgotten about that. But it is available currently on shutter. And if you're not familiar with this film, this is a 2001 French film directed by Christophe Gans. And the basic premise of the movie is that there is a beast, La Bête, uh, running loose in uh, 18th century France and just killing a bunch of people just left and right. And the king is pissed off. The local uh, the local nobility is pissed off and they hire a master hunter to come in and finally take care of this wolf problem. And in the midst of trying to hunt down and destroy this wolf, he uncovers a pretty intense conspiracy. And and I let me not, even in this plot synopsis, overlook the fact that he is joined by his Native American compatriot, played by the absolutely fucking phenomenal Mark DeCoscos. Well, I mean, it's first of all, we gotta we gotta take a few steps back. Because the thing is, is the core story of Brotherhood of the Wolf is true. Yeah, this melted my brain when I found this out, by the way. Yeah, no, this is the thing is there really was a fame. And I knew this when I watched the movie. I was like, wait, they're telling this story. There is a famous story about a beast that ravaged the, you know, the, the forests of France. Finally, they sent a famous hunter out. He came back with the beast. It is unlike anything else. And it has been in the Museum of Oddities for a long time because they they taxidermied the thing. And. It's a notorious fucking thing. Of course, it's generally accepted that it's fucking fake. Um, but it is one of those things where for years it was always this big conspiracy theory. And so this movie is built around uh, telling a crazy pants fucking genre tale uh, that in no way pretends to be the real story. <laughs> like, we'll get there. But man, man alive, does it um, it it go into a crazy crazy offshoot of what this story could be and the movie is just bug fuck nuts it is just it is pure uh insanity britches there is just every time you think you know what kind of movie you're watching it changes its mind what kind of movie it's gonna be oh yeah in, in all the best ways it's a where movie it's like one movie during the day and another movie at night um i, I will say cargill imagine 
Imagine going to IMDb. Imagine not knowing that this is based on a true story and going to the IMDb reviews and seeing people argue about the factual inaccuracies. I was laughing my ass off. Like, what are these people talking about? Factual inaccuracies. They have a Native American who knows martial arts. Like, look, let's look, start there. Look, we have a Hawaiian martial arts actor who is in one of my favorite movies, pr- practicing Brazilian capoeira, who is in this movie playing a Native American who gets taken to France so that he can hunt down this piece. Basically, what I'm saying is Mark Dacascos is an international house of beefcake. That's just that's always been his deal, man. Like, he just... They have him playing so many different races at so many different times. And in this, he is a Native American who is brought to France to to assist our hero in taking down this beast. But yeah, I, I, I had one of our one of our members of our research team, Mike, kind of put together uh, some background on the beast of Jovodan. And holy God, dude, it is dense. It is dense. Like this happened apparently between 1764 and 1767. And they're much like Ted Bundy. Nobody can agree on how many people this thing killed. Nobody can even agree that it was one beast. Nobody can agree on what that beast was. Was it a wolf? Was it a bear dog? Which is literally a thing that is is speculated that it's a, a prehistoric creature called a bear dog. There's other things that think that there are other theories that 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 say it's a, a pack of Tasmanian devils that were brought over by a hunting party. There's one theory that it's a serial killer and that the serial killer was actually training a beast to do its bidding, which all of these things that sound insane though. And this is why the movie is so crazy because all of these things that are insane about the background, about the myth and the folklore of the beast of, of uh, Jevodan work their way into the plot of this movie. Do you want to know why this movie is so many different things? Because it's based on so many different versions of the same story. So many different theories about what this story actually was. And it reminds me a lot of, you know, when in the States, when we make movies about Bigfoot, it's like we have, it's, it's based on a creature from folklore. Nobody can agree if it even existed. Everybody's got different theories and those wild kind of conspiracies feed their way into this horror action, martial arts epic. It's it is kind of the crawfish boil of movies. Um, totally, you just got a little bit of everything thrown in there. It's like a gumbo. Do you like martial arts? I do, because there's martial arts. Do you like cults? I, I like cults. Do you like monsters? I sure do. Do you like serial killers? We be in serial. Do Do you like incest? Uh, we got that too. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of everything tossed into this fucking movie. I guess it's the point where I'm like, don't look at my search tabs. (laughs) Yeah, this this movie throws everything and the kitchen sink in, but in the best way, in a way that works. And the thing that really, really, really works for this movie is it plays everything with a straight face Mm -hmm. Um, and it creates a certain level of reality to it. But it doesn't also try to make it make real sense because, no, it knows it's not telling that kind of a story. Like, there's some really, really crazy stuff in this. You can have a very real argument over whether this constitutes a fantasy film or whether it's um, something more of just historical fiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's some things in here that... mm, require some stretching of reality a bit are you suggesting Uh, that the retractable bone sword was not an actual weapon in 18th century france because i will hear none of this sir i mean literally that was (laughs) that is the second wildest thing of this movie uh the bone sword is ready the 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 wildest part is when the wolves get their revenge yes Uh, (laughs) i mean this movie's got everything this movie starts out as a uh, as a monster movie, as a we're hunting a monster and there yep. is a monster out there. And then by act two, it's like, oh, we know this isn't just a monster movie. This is something of a weird serial killer uh, movie. And then the cult thing kicks in. And then for 45 minutes, it's pure revenge movie. Like it is just, OK, we hate everyone. We want to like, do you hate the French, Brian? Come see, come because this movie will allow you to watch a lot of Frenchmen die really badly. Um, <laughs> Mon Dieu! <laughs> it is, it is just, uh, it's everything and it's everything thrown in there and it's so fucking good. It's so well done. It's so, it's shot so classily and looks like a 
big movie. There's so much great talent behind the camera mm-hmm. uh, and so much great talent in front of the camera. Uh, it's got the craziest transition in, in, in all of movie history. Point of order. Uh, greatest transition in all of movie history there is that argument to be made i don't necessarily agree but at the same time you know uh if you like your boob mountains you know why not if you would like to see lafinda mounds uh you could definitely see them in this shot that's all i'm saying and imagine imagine the a movie mounds the monde mounds imagine a movie so nuts that you start with les mis and then you get to sleepy hollow and then you get to D- david lynch's Wolfman, and it's just like it just like there's so many things happening at once in this movie with with, with some stops along at Choi Hawk action movies. Yes, 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 yes. Give me all of it, but all of it. By the end of this, you won't give a shit because you're happy for every turn this movie makes. Yes, yes, I am. It can only be killed by a, a a silver bullet or a stick with a silver handle or possibly black coffee. I haven't worked out those details yet. No, you have not. That's my David Lynch impression. (laughs) Maybe the monster should be in a dune because everything's decay and it's dying. It's like, okay, no, David, we get it. We totally get it right now. I'm just going to watch Mark Dacascos do martial arts and beat the shit out of people Uh, in the middle of my werewolf movie. Werewolf question mark. Is it a werewolf? We don't fucking know. We don't know. We don't know. And I don't know me. Je ne sais pas. Uh, the thing you don't know is, my search history. <laughs> don't judge me by my search history. <laughs> I've said it to my wife. I will say it to you. Do not judge me by my search history. I, I, it's the craziest thing about this movie for me is the the bookend where we literally are. It's the French Revolution and a character that is sort of secondary as we like it starts off with him about to go to his own execution at the hands of the people and he's writing his memoirs of this time that uh, you know this this famous hunter came to his village to try and and stop this beast king louis the 15th uh sends uh georges de fonsac a chevalier which means knight and his companion manny who is an iroquois native american to to capture this beast and he is the son of uh, the the local uh marquis and he is apparently the crux of this story. But I'm just trying to think about I'm trying to get into this guy's head where it's like completely unrelated to anything to do with this plot. I'm about to be executed for being rich. Let me go ahead and sit down and write for the first time ever this long, elaborate story about the hunt for the beast de Javodan. That's where we start. That's the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, we just jump right in to long after the story, and then I'm going to tell you this story. This movie could have been called Guillotine Dreams. Like, it's literally just a guy writing down an account of his life before he's executed by the people. And it's just like, it's so fucking nuts. And yet, we, we flashback, we see uh, Gregory de Fonsac, who I, I, I feel like he gets lost, and it's not his fault, because I'm so busy watching Mark Dacascos, and I'm so busy watching the amazing Vincent Cassell, that I, I sometimes forget to give props uh, to Samuel Le Bihon, who plays essentially the hero of this movie who kind of looks like an even more French Christopher Lambert in this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's easy to consider him being lost as he doesn't have uh, any large, well-known English speaking roles. He he's an actor who has stayed in France uh, and made European films. And so we don't know him over here as much as we know, Vincent Cancel, Mark, Mark Dacascus and Monica Bellucci. Um, Like we just know them from so many great things that, uh, that even though he's in almost every frame of the movie, he's not someone we particularly talk about. Yeah, I mean, a, a vast majority of the actors in this are primarily French actors. I do want to give just one more shout out to Mark Dacascos because not only did he learn to ride a horse for this film, not only did he study uh, Mohawk and Iroquois Indian culture, he became fluent and fluent in French to do this movie. So that when he is delivering his lines, he doesn't have to be dubbed and he doesn't sound ridiculous. And if you watch this movie, having no preconceived notion of who Mark Dacascos is, you'd probably think he was a French actor because it's he just seamlessly integrates into that language. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And then, of course, the other person we haven't mentioned, I just uh, Jeremy Renier. 
Um, <laughs> Wait, and you- it, I know, I know. It's Jeremy Renier. And you're like, oh, oh, he's joking. It's Jeremy Renner. It's like, no, no, no. It's Jeremy Renier. Uh, it sounds like you put Jeremy Renner into Google Translate. That is exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there's one guy who's who has a French antecedent, it's the star of Entourage. Like that show sounds French to begin with. I totally get it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but let, let's talk about this monster for a second. And, and how this movie shares so much in common with Jaws. Can we start there? Can we start with all of the Jaws parallels in this movie? We can. I mean, where I always like to start with this is the fact that let's let's drop the other name we haven't dropped yet, which is the the creature effects in this were done by Henson Studios. Yes. They loved this concept so much. And it, it, someone in the background, from what I'd heard, had been playing around with doing something with this story in the past. And so they were really excited to come on board. And in 2001, hearing that that Henson Studios, that the Henson family had worked on a rated R French horror martial arts movie. That was just like, it was a record scratch. It was like, wait, what the actual fuck? Are you kidding me? And it's like, no, no. And the, and those effects hold up. The practical effects do for sure. I think if this movie has a flaw, it's the fact that I, it just bums me out that Henson created such an amazing monster, and in the in some of the shots that they are do, they're showing the practical monster, it looks great. It's phenomenal. The CG, on the other hand, absolutely does. I mean, this is two thousand one. A lot of CG from two thousand one does not hold up. I just wish there had been a balance tipped more in the in the favor of the practical than the CG. But yes, when we actually see that monster and it is a practical effect, it is fucking incredible. I think for 2001 effects, I mean, you can tell it's a CG effect, which you want a CG effect to not be able to tell, but there's never a point where the CG's bad. It's just a bit dated. It The resolution on it isn't what we can get now and as convincing as we can get now. And you look at what, what they did with CG just 10 years later on something like Attack the Block yeah. uh, and, and seeing how well that's holding up. Uh, you definitely can go, okay, but I think, I mean, I, I was looking at it and looking to criticize it, and I was like, this is actually really fucking good. Uh, this is holding up 20 years later. So uh, I don't think I, overall it's going to take away from the movie because there is, no. but, I, but I also think that there is a certain amount of recognition from the filmmakers of this because, and this is my first Jaws parallel, we don't see this creature. This is a long movie. This is this is quite a, this is two hours and 22 minutes. And we- Sidebar. Yes, it is a two hour and 22 minute movie, according to IMDb and other sources on the Internet. However, it is a two and a half hour movie on Shudder. I'm curious what the disparity is, but that is a 150 minute movie on Shudder. It feels like a director's cut. I think it might be the the version on Shudder really feels like a director's cut. But the first parallel to Jaws is that we don't see this monster like in full until almost the end of the film. Like, like there's like 38 minutes left before we see this thing full on. And I feel like that is both a nod to really great monster movies like Jaws and maybe a recognition that the, the CGI capabilities weren't completely there. But what that does is it creates myth. It creates this sort of terror in your mind, especially when they start talking about the fact that these victims are being killed by claws and also apparently metal spearheads. And it's like, wait, what is going on with this thing? And the other thing is once this, this creature starts killing people, the, the local marquees are putting out bounties, which then attracts all of these different hunters to the region to try and collect on that bounty. And at one point they think that they've killed the actual monster and they want people to know that. It just feels like Louis the Fifteenth is the mayor of Amity Island. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. Well, I mean, that's actually, I mean, that's actually that that gets to a major plot point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we'll get to here in a bit. But yeah, there is actually a moment where 
uh, we just kind of are like, fuck it. We're, op- we're, we're reopening the stores. We don't need to worry about the pandemic. We are, uh, we're, we're making sure the beach is open on 4th of July. Uh-huh. Um, we're, we're reopening Jurassic park. Like there is that whole, uh, but wait, we haven't solved this yet. And it's like, ah, is it important to solve it? Are, are, you know, French peasants really, uh, worth anything? Mm, you know, <laughs> there is. Yeah. And it may be. And again, just wild speculation. Maybe that's why this movie is kind of turning up in the consciousness again, because there is sort of that uh, very relatable parallel that you can draw to, you know, what we're going through now. But I I just know that, you know, reading all these theories about what it could have been, my favorite theory of what the Beast of Givardin could have been was an armored dog. Like, this is... and And honestly, I feel like it leads to what the beast is in the movie. Um, but where basically they thought that it was some kind of battle dog that was outfitted. Yeah. They just called it a war dog that had some kind of pig hide over the top of it, which would explain why apparently a couple of hunters were unable to kill it with bullets, which of course fed the myth that this thing was supernatural. It was some kind of evil, but all these jaws parallels too. I think we just needed a, uh, a Monsieur de Quint to talk about, you know the thing about an armored war dog when it bites you and its eyes roll over Blanc? Like, that would be a great scene. I'm just saying, I could have used that scene in the movie. I do like that they actually sent the French, um, the French version of Quint, uh, who shows up and goes, I am the greatest hunter in the land. I have been sent by the king. I am going to kill it. And he goes out and he kills a wolf. He's like, there, I did it. <laughs> like, I That's it. And he goes, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Stuff it and make it look scary. Yeah. Yeah, no, but what's so interesting is that what seems so let's so let's get into it. Let's get into real spoiler territory here. Yeah, uh, because we're going to need to at this point. If you have not seen Brotherhood of the Wolf yet, this is the point to, to pause and come back later. Watch Brotherhood of the Wolf. Enjoy it. Uh, drink it in. Enjoy everything else. Pause, Matt. No. And now uh, let's get into it. So the big thing about what this thing really is, is. Uh, it is, in fact, a beast in armor that is being controlled by a serial killer mm. who is actually part of a cult that is doing this to scare uh, the French into um, uh, fearing God. Yep. And knowing that the uh, the French war, you know, the French king has strayed from the eyes of God. Uh, there's a lot of French political stuff dealing with both how the the monarchy uh, were treating, which the parts you guys all probably know, uh, which is the French monarchy and the the problems with the the populace and the starvation and uh, the the various King Louis, um, aka but, ten years from now in America. <laughs> well, and then you've got. Um, uh, you've got uh, these, uh, 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 you know, you, you've got the the church disagreeing with that, the problems with the Pope. You've got the famous, you know, the famous stories of Cardinal Richelieu uh, and the corruption that was going on in the church and in France. And this group isn't the concept of what this group is, isn't in and of itself evil. Mm-hmm. It is literally trying to reign in the monarchy. Uh, and it's using members of the monarchy to fight the, you know, the monarchy, the the ruling class, the elites are fighting the monarchy uh, silently. And the king knows that and his his entourage know that. And so he and his advisors have cooked up a thing where they're just going to send a hunter out, say the thing is dead and then make sure that any reports of further dead people um, are uh, 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 just swept under the rug and don't spread because, oh, no, 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 we killed the beast. Whatever that was, was a wolf attack or it was a killer because they know that this is really two group, uh, a shadow group and the government fighting one another uh, with um, with optics and uh, with uh, propaganda. And this these attacks are purely propaganda to scare people and make them think that the wrath of God and as one character says, Uh, The apocalypse is coming for them if they do not listen to God. And so what we're caught up in is a story from the point of view of somebody who comes into this thing not knowing what's going on, getting caught up in a shadow war. Um, uh, and, uh, And so that's the big overarching 
element that we like when you there, there's so much that weaves in like it turns out the guy that we've been looking for the whole time that that you know cares for the beast is a guy the hero saves in the beginning of the movie um and he saves him and his daughter from being uh mugged and, and murdered uh uh by by these uh ruffians uh who turn out to be working for one of the local lords uh and ends up on their side essentially he ends up had he just allowed that to happen, a lot of this wouldn't have happened, um, which that act of kindness actually triggers a lot of the stuff that happens as the movie goes on. But then as he gets into it, he starts seeing going through and believing the various elements of all of the the crazy pants conspiracies that surround this actual beast. And that is what I find fascinating because the movie keeps morphing as we go along until it finally is revealed that, oh, yeah, this is all a crazy shadow war going on to convince the the French to, to rebel against the monarchy. And I think that's kind of fucking cool. It is. And I like the backdrop of sort of the, the Age of Enlightenment, where, you know, in the 18th century, there was this big push, especially in Europe, to move away from explaining everything by uh, the Old Testament and start moving into more reason and science and logic and humanism. And obviously that put a great deal of, of strain on the church whose sole job was to not only uh, preach the word, but rule the people by way of the word. And, and this is actually brought up um, a number of times. They do mention it, yes. Our protagonist is referred to as a libertine, mm-hmm. uh, which has two meanings. One is kind of a slur, you know, an invective where, you know, it's a, a person who acts without morals. Uh, but the other is somebody who has uh, rejected religion and is a free thinker. Um, and essentially, libertines started out as this concept of uh, rejecting religion and being a free thinker and being a philosopher, and then was turned into, was slandered into, oh, if you're doing that, you just don't have any moral principles whatsoever, uh, and you'll just do whatever. Uh, and then it earned its own kind of... Um, uh, sexual uh, uh, usage as well. So, but this character is remarked multiple times as being a libertine and accepts the phrase. He is a philosopher. He is a naturalist. He is studying the world around him and doesn't necessarily believe in any particular God. Yeah, no. And it's, it's really, I, w- I want to put a pin in, in what you said about uh, the, the whole sexual usage thing, because we're going to talk about the Belush in a second here. But bef- oh, yeah. Before we do that, I think oh, yeah. if I don't know if you can translate this in French, but you can go ahead and, and uh, say your catchphrase. After lay these messages, we'll lay be back. <laughs> Parfait. Deep down inside every chocolate lover's soul is a beast. <laughs> that hungers for the ultimate chocolate extravaganza. Hershey's Bar None, chocolate wafers, chocolate cream, peanuts, and pure milk chocolate. Make Bar None the only one that will tame the chocolate beastie. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Monica Bellucci in this movie, um, the Bellucci is loose. That's all I can say. Like, she is... One of the most beautiful women who has ever existed, period. And in this movie, she, um, I don't know, she's got like a, she's got a lot going on here where she's at the brothel. She's kind of a, uh, she's a witchy woman as well. She seems to have supernatural powers. And then by the end of this movie, she's a full on fucking warrior. That, that fan blade that she has, like, that seems like something out of an anime. Like, I love how that comes into play. <laughs> Well, a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is uh, we've already talked about it. Uh, Monica Bellucci plays uh, a character that we believe is a prostitute. Right. And we believe is also an occultist uh, because she does tarot and may have psychic powers uh, or the ability to see the future. But really, she's a spy for the uh, for the Catholic Church. Yeah. She was sent by the (laughs) Vatican. She's essentially like they don't say the word, but she could be Gladius Day. Uh, if you know of other conspiracy theories, she might be Knights Templar. Um, but like she that's her is- name is Knights Templar. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Knights Templar. No, I know is- what you're talking about. It just sounded like you were saying that that could be her agent name. Like, hello, I'm Agent Knights, Knights Templar. Uh, no, she is the mountains. Um, <laughs> so we mentioned it. There is an amazing shot in this movie where we're tracking up Monica Bellucci's naked body, and then it transitions, and it's two mountains, but they use CG to transition between the shot yeah. of the mountains and Monica Bellucci. So there's about two seconds where you see naked gigantus uh, Monica Bellucci. Uh, covered in snow so if giantesses are your thing um there's two seconds of this movie that's gonna do it for you now was Um, the reason that it was so hard to watch this movie projected from a vhs because this part of the movie had a lot of tracking lines is that why it was difficult (laughs) no no not at all somebody's rewound this scene a lot is all i'm saying Yes. yes um yeah it's um yeah, she's so she is working for the Vatican and ends up coming in with the cavalry at the end. Yes. Like of all the characters you think you can't trust, she turns out to be the only one that you can trust. Oh, yeah. Like almost everybody else pulls some shenanigans along the way, uh, but not the Baluch. Uh, no, she's actually one of the good guys and she's fighting against this um, uh, this shadow group. Uh, because they, you know, they ultimately disagree with what these people are trying to do. And it also, it, it makes, it shows just how complicated the French politics were at the time about are, you know, is the monarchy really in good with the Vatican? Are they not, um, you know, is this shadow group kind of, you know, working for the Vatican against the Vatican? Clearly the Vatican doesn't like them. Like it is, it, it's its own fucking untangling that you kind of have to do. Uh, if you want to think about it real hard, uh, not that this is a movie that demands that you think about it all that hard. Well, you're not going to have time because it's going to be a different movie by the time you're done thinking about it. So, you know, this is also true because we do, we open up with, As you said, you know, we open up with Les Mis and then moments later, we're in a colonial this. Now, this is one of the cool things. We don't see a lot of colonial movies. And this is what really baked our noodle in in 2001. It's like, wait, it's a colonial martial arts movie. What? What? It just opens up and it but it it was a colonial martial arts movie with Hong Kong uh, cinematography. Yep. Like this was very, you know, very, um, uh, very much inspired by probably there's a little matrix in here. Probably can't be helped, you know, that they were developing at the time the matrix came out and said, but wait a second. Uh, what if native Americans knew martial arts and they're like, what is, don't think too hard about it. It's going to rock. It was really um, weird when the beast like bent over backwards to avoid all those bullets. I found that to be a little suspect. 
Yep. Um, kind of like bending over backwards for some of these puns. Um, <laughs> That's what I do. Call my chiropractor. I'm making more puns today. God damn it. <laughs> so needless to say, um, you know, and then we're, you know, we're, we're in, we're in a horror movie, you know, we're in an investigation, uh, yep. film, you know, it's going through here and then, you know, it starts getting more and more crazy pants as we get into Native American spirituality. Um, we've got a good old fashioned mushroom trip scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, dropped in here. If you thought there wasn't a mushroom trip in this movie, you're out of your goddamn mind because, of course, there's a mushroom trip in this movie. Um, and then there's some we get by the time we get to okay we figured out what this is uh we've got uh Manny Mark Dacascus character going in after the beast going to try to kill the beast and get the guys responsible gets in over his head and gets murderized pretty bad after killing like a dozen people so many people like this is one of those movies where you get to the point where it's like well it felt like it's grounded in reality and then it reaches the point of guards more guards um, um, not to spoil who it is, because I know it's a new movie, but it really reminded me of that scene in Dune. That's all I'm going to say. And you know exactly oh, yeah. the scene I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like going. Oh, come um, on now. I would you like some? Uh, I'm bleeping both of those things. But look, <laughs> I had forgotten that Mark DeCasco's character Manny dies in this movie and it fucking hurt. Like it mm. was like, it really took me back. And I was like, I felt his absence for the rest of the movie. Like Mark DeCosco's does such a good job in this movie of being an outsider within this world that, that hates him at every step of the way, no matter how much he saves these people, no matter how much good he does for them, they still treat him like absolute shit. And they openly talk about how he's less than human right in front of him. And he does such a good job of endearing himself, not only to the people that he hunts with, but the audience as well. And it's just this beautiful, really, even though he's the biggest badass in the movie, he's also a very, it's also a very vulnerable performance. Like it is so fucking good. Sometimes I think Mark Dacascos does not get the credit that he deserves. Well, Mark, because Mark Dacascos has never gotten the credit he deserves. And I get why there is a very real reason why Mark Dacascos is not the star he should be. And it's because he was in so many direct-to-video movies at the time during the direct-to-video boom, mm -hmm. and he was one of the top names in that boom. Um, it, as, as a video store clerk, it felt like Mark Dacascos had a new movie out every three months, and they were not particularly awesome movies. He was awesome in them. He did a lot of great stuff. Um, I'm sure Vern, uh, one of my old AICN compatriots, can do an amazing breakdown of the top 30 uh, Mark Dacascos performances. Uh, but when you look through the stuff that he's doing, um, you know, because he was in uh, he was in some bigger attempts early on. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bunch of stuff that he did. He was in, you know, he did act as an actor showing up in mainstream television shows and then trying to do it in movies and then movies that didn't quite connect. And then finally he worked with uh, Christopher Christoph Gans and crying Freeman. And then all of a sudden, you know, he starts doing all of these movies because that becomes a cult hit. I used to have that on VHS. It was a hard one to find, but it was just such a cool adaptation of the anime. Um, and then he starts doing more and more. And then he's just all almost all of his movies are these direct to video movies or made for TV movies or movies that uh, felt like higher budget versions of those. So he was never given the respect that his, um, uh, that his talent really deserved. I think until just a few years ago where finally, you know, in 2019, he shows up as one of the heavies in John wick chapter three, uh, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, holy shit, it's Mark Dacascos. And then a whole new generation said, who's that? And it's like, oh, I can't wait to tell you. I started doing uh, capoeira in my living room when I found out he was going to be in that movie. I was so fucking excited. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, he's, you know, you just look at the stuff that he's in. Like, he's in a movie called The Extendables. Um <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Is it about Vincent Cassell's sword in this movie? I have to know because that thing is also rather extendable. 
let me let me read you like the extendables is exactly what you think yes, it is. Yes, yes. Let me read you. Let me read you the, the it has Brian Thompson. Of course it, it does. <laughs> I want your eyes, pig. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marissa Ramirez, Ian Patrick Williams, Lee Garlington, Gary Graham, Carl Kier, uh, uh, Kier um, uh, uh, let's see who Patrick Warburton's in it. Uh, oh, Martin God. Cove is in it. Of course. Um, <laughs> no mercy for this cast. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is exactly. It is a bunch of people known for making action movie knockoffs, making an action movie knockoff. Of the Expendables. Look, guys, I just want to say that not even I know what I'm doing here. But uh, <laughs> nice to get a paycheck and keep the insurance. Thank you very much. But but so that's why I honestly think that, you know, um, that Dacascus hasn't gotten the d- respect he deserves. I think that if you break it down to about 10 of the films he's done, you realize why he's a le- the legend that a lot of us think of him as. Yes. But that if you look at his entire body of like 80 of 84 credits, um, <laughs> you start to go, Oh, right. That's, that's why we look at you that way. And, and, and frankly, there was a bunch of those guys doing that at the time, but Dacascus, when he, one of his movies hit the shelf, it was constantly fucking renting. Uh, so they, people kept, they kept making them. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, that, that era really, I think really did damage to people who could have benefited from, uh, making one movie every year or two, as opposed to making three or four every year. I love the guy and I'm five minutes away from turning this into the Dacascas and only talking about the movies of Mark Dacascas. Don't fucking tempt me with that shit. Take oh, at least oh three don't drinks. wait for you. Don't wait. You guys, you guys are going to love this. Brian and Joe Lynch are going to do a three episode extravaganza on Double Dragon. Uh, That is going to melt your brains. I love Mark DeCascos. You know that I sound like Obama all of a sudden. I love DeCascos. Uh, You know, I love doing three hour episodes on movies that some people don't like, but I'm not going anywhere near Double Dragon. I love the man (laughs) to death. I want so much to support everything that he's done. But for the love of God. What is that movie? That I was keeping that trump card in my back pocket for when you went a little too far in the Dacascus love. <laughs> is it? Which ironically reminds me of that moment in the critic where they got that seal that can review movies. Do you remember that? Where they were going to replace Jay with a seal that would throw a beach ball into a like good or bad hoop to review movies. And the way that the way that Duke would keep the seal under control when it got a little too uppity is he would say "Last Action Hero" and it would swim away scared. <laughs> like that was the kill switch for this critic seal which i take offense to but if you did that with me with double dragon i i would probably have the same reaction but you already said uh what, what was the one you said was based on an anime uh Cry- oh, crying freeman yes uh that one's probably going to be an episode drive could absolutely be an episode that movie fucking rules only the strong come on guys of course we're eventually going to do an episode on only the strong are you out of only the strongly it, it's dangerous minds with capoeira i shouldn't have to fucking say anything else <laughs> stargrove Star growth. So yes, we are big fans of Costco's. I also want to just steer things back to Monica Bellucci for just a second. One of the things that I really love about this movie is how much agency they give her. I mean, we're talking about a an Italian actress in a French film. So like sex isn't just on the menu, but could have been the entire meal. You know what I mean? Like as beautiful as she is, she's an Italian actress in a French movie. It could have just been Monica Bellucci having sex for for two hours, but they fool the audience into thinking that that's all this character is. And then they give her so much agency and so much uh, strength and power by the end of this movie that I love the, the turn that that takes. And you realize that she uses those wiles to play all of these dumb dudes throughout the entire movie. Like, I really, really love Bellucci's character in this. Oh, yeah, no, she, by the end, she's proven that she's, like, it really is that whole, oh, he's having this relationship with this whore, and no, it's like, oh, no, she's only pretending to be a whore. She's a master fucking spy yeah. that will kill your ass with a fan. Dude. Um, I do, and, and here, quick, quick sidebar on this. This movie has a very French kind of concept here, a very misogynist bent where multiple characters get 
killed or fucked up because they refuse to kill a woman, regardless of how many awful things they've seen that woman do. Um, to the point to where Monica Bellucci finally has to show up and go, guys, guys, watch. <laughs> See how easy that was? I love See how easy that was? That woman that you're talking about, that sort of wilding woman who's like the, the German soldier in Saving Private Ryan that they let go, and you're like, God damn it, just goff. You had just killed that one. It's it's very much like that, but you're right. She comes in and she's like, I'm going to do, you know, never send a man to do a woman's work, essentially is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Hey, so, Monica uh, Bellucci in this? Big fan. That's all I'm saying. Big, Big fan. fan. Big fan. We'll return after these messages. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Vincent Cassell, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, this is one of my favorite Cassell performances. I remember, like, I remember, Cargo. I will never forget this. It's one of my, like, you know, probably the first time that I had like a major movie theory, a, a major movie like position, like when I was first discovering like that there were movie websites on the Internet. And it was when they were going to be casting the Joker for the Dark Knight. It was right before I moved to Austin and I beat the drum anywhere that I could write things. Any comment section I could find, I beat the drum that Vincent Cassell should play the Joker. Vincent Cassell is so menacing and has this insane ear-to-ear grin that he can pull off that I was like, this dude would be amazing as the Joker. And I remember, and I will fully admit this, and I was wrong, but I will admit this. I remember being disappointed when it was Heath Ledger because I was like, man, I really wanted it to be Vincent Cassell. But then, of course, obviously history has proven me to be a dumbass in that situation. But every time I see Vincent Cassell on screen play someone as menacing as Jean-Francois in this movie, I immediately think, wouldn't it be cool to have a fucking Vincent Cassell Joker? (laughs) I mean... Yeah, uh, I get everything you're saying. The one thing with Cassell is Cassell has never been able to shake the accent in American films. Um, I guess I never thought of that. I just imagine the Joker would be French now. <laughs> no, no, no. Like if if Cassell if Cassell did you know six months with a a language coach and like really put it into to try to sound American. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I would love to see his take on it. Like you're you're absolutely 100 right, but that is one of the things that I've noticed in all of his films. He I've never seen him be able to shake the accent, and they always lean into the accent. You know, you and I are huge huge fans of the Ocean series. Yep, um, and he's very French in those, and those are fair. Th- these th- those are more recent than the uh, uh, than when he would have been playing the Joker. Um, and just every movie he's made has been, you know, that, uh, which I think is fine. Cause why, why remove who you are from these things? But that it's one of those characters that it's like, yeah, we can't let the Joker be French. That just, there is some, there is some elements that need to be retained for the Joker to be the Joker. And I don't think that works, but I think he's a otherwise a great choice for the Joker. Yeah, no, I, it would be great. And you're so right. The accent would be a problem, but in my head, the Joker was just French now and I'm I just, and I would just be fucking fine with it. By the way, breaking news, going back to something Cargill said about the difference in the runtime on IMDb versus the difference of the runtime on shutter in the end trivia, which is, we all know is the most, uh, the, oh, it's the truest of truths. Absolutely. Completely. Absolutely. And always, never, never a waste of your time. Unimpeachable information is all I'm saying. They talk about a deleted scene in which it's revealed Monica Bellucci's character knew the whole truth to both sides of the story and that her character is believed to have worked for the Vatican. That's listed as a deleted scene in the IMDb trivia. It's in the fucking movie I watched. It's in the yeah, version yeah, yeah. of the movie. This absolutely is a director's cut. I don't know why yeah, they're yeah. not promoting it as such, but it's absolutely not the version that was on the DVD. Because maybe, maybe because of the control that uh, Gans has, maybe it's not a director's cut. Maybe it is what they consider to be the cut now. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Also, Vincent Cassell is so committed to being a, a monster on screen and a creep that he actually didn't accept the role until they made his character creepier and more twisted. He is, dude, he is, there's so much to him here 
from the concealing of the weird ass fucking creepy hand. So cool. To, I mean, the the depth. There is one uh, incredible scene of what is other in what is otherwise a very ooky arc in this, where he is begging the priest to help him rid himself of these images that he has in his brain of his sister. Yeah. Um, and he's actually tortured by it. Like that's what makes this character interesting is in any other film, this character would just be one note and villainous the whole time. And here is this moment where he is, he is on his knees before the Lord begging for forgiveness, begging to rid him of these passions, to rid him of these images he has in his brain. Um, very, very much like Cargill with some of the early Lieutenant of Megaforce requests. He was like, rid my mind of these cursed images, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, just me. No, get me, I Warshawski, out of my head. <laughs> get it out, Lord, get it out. And then the priest comes up and goes, there's only one way to get it out of your head, Clarice. Um, you must fuck V.I. Wachowski. First of all, yes, it just dawned on me that that was the advice because the scene cuts and he says there's only one way to deal with it. And I think that they're going to flog Cassell or something. And then I just kind of forgot about it. No, they set it up so that Cassell can seduce his sister. And uh, you think he's going to they're going to drug her and instead he tries to seduce her. And then she's like, no, get the fuck away from me. What the fuck are you doing? And then he's like. All right, I guess you just have to rape you now. He's like, he's like, oh, you're not into me. What if I show you my creepy monster arm? <laughs> I mean, look, there are some girls that are into that. <laughs> Do not judge them by their search histories. That's all we're trying to say. <laughs> That's correct. Don't don't kink shame. I mean, <laughs> maybe you like creepy monster arm. Maybe creepy creepy monster arm is what you need to flick the bean that gets the bean to vibrate just right. All I'm first of all, thank you for that. Merci. Secondly. <laughs> I'm why, what and also wait no 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 but why I get cre- creepy monster arm I get that it's been bitten and in some way has become gangrenous and and is just very like uh you know awful in claw hand why did he stop clipping his nails <laughs> <laughs> like for some reason he's let he's got these atrophied black like sharp nails and it's like why do you keep that in there that just seems like you can just trim it a little maybe nibble i don't know I mean, but no one's gonna see them i mean what why put yourself through the hassle of no one's ever gonna see your nails and all i'm trying to say is there's a difference between kink and being an even creepier lannister you know what i mean like there's just there has to be a road in between those two villages <laughs> that we're gonna walk down for the rest of this movie uh this is the sound of the flicking bean oh my god <laughs> It's now you sound like one of those kids read along books. Like when you hear the sound of the flicking bean, it means it's time to turn the page. Monster arm. (laughs) My pet monster arm. I saw those commercials when I was a kid. Absolutely. Anywho. My favorite Sasha Gray movie. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I, I want to talk about, you know, as we go along, and this is a really epic story. And by that, I mean, it goes to all of these different places. It explores all of these different both sort of historical, political, philosophical angles and and all of these different facets of all these characters, I kept thinking to myself, this could have worked as a series. Like, this could have worked as a TV series. In fact, if they wanted to do this now, this could work as a TV series between the monster stuff, the martial arts, like all of the, like how jazzed up everybody still is over Game of Thrones and that sort of like period-based epic sword, you know, storytelling like I could totally see Brotherhood of the Wolf being a series today. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, they they sail off to I mean, the end of the movie is them sailing off on the Wolf Brother to go to darkest Africa. Yep. And it plays with that same whole like in that era in particular, Africa was called, you know, there was that whole concept of darkest Africa, deep in the Congo and the jungle and all these crazy animals that people didn't believe existed that were real animals. And imagine him being a naturalist going around and debunking various things while also running into all these various. I'm pitching a show now. Yeah, it's a um, literal monster of the week show. That's literally yeah. what it is. I'm going to stop pitching before I uh, make a phone call to Kristoff. What? Come on. <laughs> I want an EP credit. God damn it. That's all I'm saying. I, and I do like how at the end of this movie, you got sort of that weird hot fuzz angle of everyone standing around saying, you know, the greater good. Uh, and just like that's what we're doing this for, and then those people just getting cut the fuck down by the the Vatican's secret army, and just like there's so many different parts of this story, 
that I find engaging, even when the monster's not on screen. Like, I love the investigation that uh, our Chevalier is doing and all the things that he uncovers. That, honestly, is what feels the most like Sleepy Hollow to me. Can 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 I share my favorite little weird oddity to this movie? I wish you would. Um, it's clear that the English translation, the subtitles, were done by a Frenchman. Pourquoi? Uh, because there is a moment in which, <laughs> because it's not a native English speaker, because there is a moment in which one of the guys is like, line these buttholes up. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I love this. I love the line, line these buttholes up. Um, it felt like a line written by my 10-year-old. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's because he was, it was asshole. It was, you break it down, ass is the rear end or butt, uh-huh. hole is hole, it is the butthole. Like, clearly, butthole, and is butthole in an English word? Yes, it is. People use butthole. That must be the word. It's like Biff Tannen comes in suddenly, he's part of the Vatican Army, like, what are you looking at, butthead? <laughs> yeah. what, what are these buttholes doing? Um, yeah, I just, I love that. I just, that I love that weird little moment of translation. Where I just nicker. And the movie's so fun to begin with. It's not like, oh, that ruins it for me. It's like, nope, that's a cherry on top of a delicious fucking Sunday. Marty, we got to go back to the age of enlightenment. The problem is these war dogs, Marty. We got to do something. <laughs> and yeah, the thing is, is once the last 45 minutes of this movie starts up, the revenge angle of this movie fucking oh. goes so balls to the wall. It flies by like this is a two and a half hour movie that feels like a good old fashioned two hour movie like it. It's epic in scope, but it just blows by. And there's so much great ass kicking. There's so much great martial arts. There's such a brutal ending. The great bit where all the you know, where the the Vatican's warriors like come out of the woodwork and start gunning people down. It's just like, oh, this is what I want out of this movie. I love it. When Chevalier starts breaking out the spinny swords. And just cutting motherfuckers down. And then he and Vincent Cassell have that. Because I don't know if we've mentioned it. We come to find out that Vincent Cassell is the one who's sort of the uh, the beast whisperer. He's the serial killer control. Yeah. He, he's the one who goes out with the beast. He's the beast whisperer. And, it, you know, he's doing so on behalf of of the Marquis. And the Marquis is kind of the, the puppet master of all of this. And, you know, and so this epic showdown between the Chevalier and, and Vincent Cassell, where they have this awesome exchange where Vincent Cassell says, there's nothing you can do. The beast is immortal now. And Chevalier says, yes, but you're not. And it's just like, Aah! and then Chevalier goes, oh, hey, here's a bone sword. Bone sword is ready. Oh, oh, my God. So much awesome. So many awesome fight sequences in this movie. Like, you know, you got DeCosco's doing his martial arts, which is edited very specifically. And then you have these later sword fights that are edited in a completely different way, which really adds a sort of identity to each type of fight. Like it is. So, this movie is so well made that you kind of forget for a while that it's completely bug nuts. And you're just focused on the cinematography and the beauty of it and the epicness of these characters and the storytelling. I cannot recommend this movie more highly. Yeah, no, no. This is this is one of those great movies that I mean, I just posted about when I saw that Shudder announced it. I tweeted about it. The the tweets went nuts. I I said, hey, it's the craziest movie uh, many of you haven't seen. And the number of filmmakers who slid into my mentions to go, "Uh, excuse me, sir. I saw this in a theater. Uh, I see you, Lee Winnell. The Brotherhood of um, the Well, actually. Yeah, no, no. Like everybody, the people, the thing is, is the people who love this movie and who were there and contributed to its very small American box office, we stand that shit hard. And it's like, no, no, no. I was fucking there. Uh, and I'm like, all right. Uh, and that was actually a lot of fun to see so many people coming out going, I've seen it, I love it, and sharing it and saying, if you haven't seen it, fucking watch it. Watching the um, actual Le Pacte de Loop like emerge on Twitter. Yes. Amazing. Yes, sir. Amazing. So turn your back on the wolf pack. You might wind up in a body bag. And that brings us to the junk food pairing. And for this one, Cargill, I feel like this movie, as insane as it is, and all of its talk of apocalypse, get yourself a nice bottle of Le Fin de Monde. And just drink to the end of the world that this beast is trying to bring about. And if you're not familiar with Le Fin de Mon, it's a high alcohol content beer from a uh, brewery called Unibroke out of uh, technically it's Montreal. I know it's a French name, but it's French, French Canada. Uh, absolutely fucking phenomenal beer. It's a, uh, a tripel, a, I believe a Belgian style tripel. Uh, just absolutely delicious beer. Perfect compliment for this particular film, especially if you can get the old bottles with the cork. Just saying. 
I'm I'm going to go a step further on you. A step further than the end of the world. Sure. Okay. Very good. Um, I am going to go with pumpkin pie. Um, specifically, there are there's great recipes for French pumpkin pies or French pumpkin tarts. So uh, get yourself some nice pumpkin pies or pumpkin tarts for that moment in the movie where the gratuitous pumpkin smashing uh, uh, <laughs> at a shooting range where it's just so gratuitous. There's so many pumpkins murdered in the making of this film that I feel like <laughs> you must enjoy a delicious pumpkin tart or pumpkin pie to just go with the gratuitous pumpkin pulp just splattering across the screen. You expect a Stan Winston creation to like show up for revenge with the amount of pumpkins that are murdered in that scene. There's a lot of pumpkins murdered in that fucking movie. And when I was watching it, I was like, oh, there's the junk food pairing right there. I want pumpkin pie right now. (laughs) I love it. And guys, do yourself a favor and just go research the the beast of of Givardon. like the the stories and the theories about this are absolutely incredible and they keep coming out to this day like literally like in 1987 they did a study and estimated there had been 610 attacks resulting in 500 deaths like they are still studying this thing and they still have no idea if it was actually real or not like it's just it's incredible to me it's one of those great old stories and uh, and and having turned it into the perfect embodiment of, yeah, we don't know. So we're going to make the craziest fucking movie of 2001. Um, and uh, man, do I love this fucking movie. Get it on Shutter. Watch it right now. Cargill, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me at Twitter and on, on Instagram at Massworm, M-A-S-S-A-W-Y-R-M. You can find my new book, uh, Day Zero, wherever you buy your books, which makes a great holiday gift for your friends and family. Along with pumpkin insurance, definitely make sure that your your family is paid up on their pumpkin insurance. You never know when a Chevalier and a Native American are going to come by with their muskets. And well, not muskets in Manny's case. He thinks they're too loud and they smell too bad, but they will murder all of your pumpkins. It is a real epidemic, yep. people. And for more conspiracy theories like that, you can follow me on on Twitter at Bry Guy Salisbury, at Junk Food Cinema, and of course at Replay Preview, the wrestling podcast I do with my brother Blake, where we review all of the WWF pay per views of the 21st century. So get on that. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on all the general social media times. And again, if you really like the show, I mean, you really like the show. You like it as much as this movie loves its crossfade transitions. You can go to patreon.com slash junk food cinema. You're financially supporting the show there, and we greatly appreciate it. And in fact, we will say as we go out, merci beaucoup, which I believe is French for, oh my God, there's a fucking monster over there. Mm-hmm.